something people sometimes say is that I know what the market is willing to pay. No, they don't. Yeah. <laughs> do you? Do you really? How do you know yeah. that? Welcome to Monday Mornings with Michelle, the new business podcast. Whether you're kicking off your day or kickstarting your business, Michelle is going to kick your ass into next week with the essential fours. Strategy, systems, support, and state of mind. Now, welcome to center stage, Michelle Nedelec. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec, and I am super glad that you're here with us today because I have my most amazing guest, Para Para. Thank you so much for being here today. Well, Michelle, it's uh, it's always a pleasure, and and I'm happy to be on the show. Lovely. So, give us a five thousand foot view of who you are and what you love to do. All right. Well, you see that I have a moniker, and the moniker is the Price Whisper. This is not something that I invented or or anything like that, but. Um, I was called the price whisperer so many times that um, I eventually decided to um, adopt the moniker. And um, if nothing else, it's easier to remember the price whisperer than my name, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So Awesome. So I'm assuming that you were in business consulting and whatnot before that, but what were you doing that granted you the moniker? Well, so 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 here's what happened. I um, I'm I'm originally from Sweden. I left many years ago, but I'm, I'm originally from Sweden, and I ran um, a couple of companies in Europe before I moved here. And um, and um, and once I came here to the states in the mid '90s, um, I've been running several companies too. And in all of those instances, we did experiments with pricing. Uh, some of those experiments were very successful, like. Uh, next quarter revenues are up 25%. Others were complete duds. Uh, and most of them were kind of inconclusive. Uh, and what I had learned in, in business school and could read about pricing and so forth was so, so academic and so theoretical that it, it was of no help for us to understand um, why some of those experiments worked and others didn't. So, um, so 14 years ago, when I decided I was too old and too opinionated to be a hired gun, I, I decided to set up my own shop and to develop a process that would make every pricing experiment a success. And that's what we do. And that's why I've been called the price whisper. Well, that's awesome. So are you uh, particular to any industry or is it across the board? It is across the board. There's a couple of, of, of instances where, where it doesn't work. Um, we, um, our process is to go out and do, it's, it's really online market research, but it's very different market research than, than you would get from a market research company. Um, and then we developed our own AI software to uh, crunch the data that we, um, that we get from the marketplace. And, um, because it's market research, in the end, there need to be a market to research. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, uh, we had this. Um, I had this conversation. I had to say no to this particular client, but um, they were um, they had a service they they sold, but they sold it only to Fortune five hundred companies and only to uh, those that had offices in the Bay Area. And there's a whopping 132 of them. I was going to say that's a pretty limited market. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so, um, so we said, no, we can't do it, you know. 
Um, but um, and the other, well, I would think with an audience that small, you just go and ask them. <laughs> would you not? Yeah, we we. I mean, you could you could, uh, and we've done that with small audiences where you have, um, for example, we worked in the oil and gas industry, and there's there's about six hundred drillers and pumpers. <laughs> <laughs> and and we don't work in that market, but that six hundred is still still on really on the verge on, on being too small. So, but right. um, um, but apart from that, it sort of worked for. I mean, we've done we've done stem cells, we've done shovels, we've done um, insurance services, fee structure, we've done um, discount cards. You know, you sign up as a member and you for get a discount card. Um, just lately, um, one company, um, we, uh, uh, it's one of these membership organizations. Uh, we, we took them from uh, roughly 15 million a year to 35 million a year in, in six weeks. What? Um, another company, a little bigger company, selling a consumer product. Uh, we took them from 200 million to 250 million in three weeks. Nice. Um, only because, and and this is on this with the same cost base, and this is just because they had used a pricing strategy that was completely wrong. So you fix the wow. pricing strategy, and 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 your company goes to the next level. Well, I often wondered how somebody like the guys that invented Pong, you know, the little paper chips that kids went absolutely awol over once upon a time. Like, how do you decide? something that's completely and totally brand new, what kind of pricing you're going to have for that? Would they come to somebody like you or is that just, a, I don't know, throw something at the wall, see how many kids buy it and go from there? 98% is throwing something on the wall. <laughs> and and the 2% that doesn't end up as market leaders. Nice. You know? So, um, and I'll tell you a story here. We, yeah. this, is, this is a company we never worked for, but, but we should have. Um, SaaS company, um, they do a, they have a, um, a contract management service and, and the CEO, um, he, he said, I decided the price is going to be $165 per user per month. Right. And then he said, but I don't know, maybe it should have been 99. Maybe it should have been 499. I don't know, but 165 felt right for me. <laughs> And I can guarantee that he's leaving enormous amount of money on the table. And uh, I mean, the audience here for for for, the, for this show, I mean, these are these are people who really need and want to understand um, that whatever they do, they don't leave money on the table. Right? Why should you? Why should you leave money on the table? <laughs> Absolutely, you should not. No. So I'm fascinated with the conversation because I know in the online coaching world. Often people will pick a number that they feel good with. And it's yeah. like, well, one, that's not going to sell. And two, if you're going to charge that much, you may as well charge twice as more because that's kind of how people base the pricing. Yeah. And a lot of people just kind of don't know what they don't know. So let's kind of back up the bus a little bit first before we go into your mm -hmm. uh, process and how you deal with it. What do you think is some of the biggest mistakes business owners make when they're trying to figure out the pricing? Um. Well, first of all, um, many, many business owners don't understand that pricing is the lever that have the highest impact on profitability, 
right? And 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 I, I know I, I know this for a fact because we've done uh, we did a study of of I think it was five hundred sixteen or something like that American CEOs. Um, so it's statistically significant. And what we found, and we asked them, any company only gets profits from three variables, eh? It's the, the total cost of the operation, it's the sales volume of whatever you sell, and it's the price of whatever you sell, right? Uh, and yeah. as, as long as the... <laughs> where else they think their prices are? Going, or where their yeah, so, so, from, so, so we asked these, these statistically significant number of CEOs, which of these three affects profitability the most? And 82% said sales volume. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, but that's, and, come on, because that comes back to, hey, what's your profitability? Oh, it's a do uh, minus a dollar on everything we sell. So, yeah. you know, we make up for it in volume. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Everybody knows it's works. <laughs> and, 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 and they, it's like they don't realize you sell more, your cost goes up, right? Right. And, and, and the fact is, for, for the average company, um, the, 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 a 1% increase in price generates an 11.3% increase in profitability. Wow. This is for the average company. Some are more, some are less. Wow. And we've actually gone over, you know, we, we, we've studied public companies that we don't know anything about more than we have access to their public information. And typically, that range fall um, within seven eight percent to twenty twenty two percent, a one percent increase in price or one percent decrease in um, in rebates in discounts. Wow! And and I have I have something that I call the one percent challenge, and the challenge is very simple: Have you ever failed to change anything one percent? <laughs> Of course right? not, you know. So if you're if you if you're a company and 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 you understand the the relationship, and I actually have that people can, uh, you know, download from from the website a, a little Excel calculator where you put your total cost, your total revenue, and then you can change your prices up and down. You know, a percent here and a percent there. But the point is that once you start working proactively with pricing, you're not going to change it one percent. You're going to change it five percent or ten percent, and then suddenly you're going to double your profits, maybe. Well, yeah, and people don't realize that you could, you know, add on one percent and double your profits immediately. Yeah, exactly. They haven't counted for their margin. And yeah. It kind of boggles my mind that so many companies out there don't. Mm -hmm. take into account what their margin is and yeah. they don't know and it's like well and when we build and we're just going to go from where we are to 10 xing it and it's like okay so how much are your expense is going to go up yeah. well but that, 10X, you, you and asked, it's like no it's not i mean you asked me the question what is the main um, um mistakes people do when mm -hmm. when they price first the, the 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 most common mistake is to try to find the price of a competitor and price the same way right yep and find that may, may be working if that competitor has prices on, on their website, but it also doesn't account for your differentiators. Mm -hmm. And if you're, if you're the same old uh, as, as your competitors, or, uh, you know, then, then you're in the commodity market and it's a race to the bottom. Yep. 
who wants to be in a race to the bottom? Nobody, right? The, <clears throat> the other, um, the other mis uh, very common mistake is to uh, price based on cost. And of course, your costs have nothing to do with the value your product or service delivers, mm -hmm. right? Just look at pop in a restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, you know, and mm -hmm. and there's an interesting thing when it comes to cost-based pricing that very few people think about, and I'm going to tell you this, and and you're going to understand this, and I'm sure the audience is going to love this. So let's say that you do cost-based pricing. Let's say your cost for this widget is fifty bucks, mm -hmm. and you double it, so your price is going to be a hundred, mm -hmm. and then for whatever reason you manage to lower the cost to 40 bucks, mm -hmm. right? Means that your price is gonna be 80, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Don't lower the so, price. <laughs> no, when you lower expenses, you don't lower the price. Well, yeah. you could have a so, sale on it. So, it is, yeah. so what you have done here mm -hmm. is that your dollar margin, your percent margin is the same, but your dollar margin has gone down from 50 bucks to 40 bucks. It's yeah. gone down with 20%. You know, why would you do that? And who folks that do cost-based pricing doesn't think in this way, you know? Mm -hmm. And again, yeah, lower your cost, but let your price stay where you were. You know? Well, and I assume most people that do that are are, are looking to their accountant to go, you know, well, how much do we price this? Which I personally think is a terrible question to yeah. ask somebody yeah. who like I love accountants, they're fabulous and wonderful, but their job is to keep you safe and secure and, you know, away from audits, which yes. is kind of weird too. Yeah. As opposed to a visionary in charge of the company who's <laughs> supposed to go out and go, hey, what does the market need? How do yeah, we provide yeah, yeah. it? And what yeah. value do you have? Which are two totally different questions. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the the um um the third biggest mistake when it comes to pricing is is like that story of the ceo just find the price from gut feel or guesses or or you know something people sometimes say is that i know what the market is willing to pay no they don't yeah. <laughs> do you do you really how do you know yeah. that <laughs> i mean you can have a hunch i mean mm -hmm. you know that um, let's, for example, uh, I mean, I mean, I'm, I don't know if you hear it, but I hear the neighbors lawnmower. You know, nope. I I I know that a lawnmower is somewhere more than a hundred bucks, and somewhere less than a thousand bucks for a regular lawnmower. You know, mm -hmm. where in that space, I have no idea. You know, because mm -hmm. I is not something I, that I've ever bought ever in my life. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, know? and you look at. An oddity was we were looking at vacuum cleaners, mm -hmm. and I'm like, when did vacuums become like a thousand dollar commodity? Yeah, like Dyson reinvented yeah. a whole new market, and it had nothing to do with what their competitors were charging or anybody. Dyson has written an autobiography. You mm -hmm. should read that, and the audience should read that because it's really very interesting. Nice. And and um and and. And, and specifically how he used pricing to deliver a message of value and a message of differentiation and how he come out, he, you know, he's a, it's a UK company. Actually, mm -hmm. now it's not a UK company. I think he moved the whole company down to Singapore. Mm -hmm. um, but um, 
<laughs> he 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 uh, he started off as a UK company, and um, at a price that was four times the price of a other regular vacuum cleaner, he became the best seller in the UK. Right. Okay. And and um, and but it's fascinating to to read his story on on how he how he sort of came up with these ideas and. And, and, and how he then took it into a product and how he, for years, tried to sell it. His first market was Japan because he couldn't sell it anywhere else. Wow. Yeah. Wild. So let's go into how you work with people now because sure. you, you had me at, <laughs> they doubled their revenue in three months. How do you do that without losing yeah half your client base, which so, is fine so, on one side, but on the other side, it's like, how do you yeah. then garner <laughs> that many in three months? So, um, I, so I mentioned that, that, that uh, when I was too old and too opinionated, I developed a process that would, too, be too, that would make every pricing experiment a success, right? Yep. And it's based on this very different kind of market research, online market research we do. Now, that means that the company doesn't need to provide any, any data. We provide the data, right? We create the data. And it's uh, data that is what, what folks in the marketplace are willing to pay for a product or a service. Mm -hmm. Now, once we have that willingness to pay, we turn that into a prediction of sales volume and revenue at different prices. So we can say, here's your price today. If you change it, um, your new revenue and your new sales volume is going to be this, right? Um, and and but then we take that and we segment it. So what does that mean then? Well, it means that we can identify the various customer segments and how they differ in the resulting revenue that they will generate. So our clients can focus on the most desirable customer segment whether that's a B2B or a B2C customer segments, meaning that we, we know where these people want to, um, um, it's a persona development, if you like, you know? So we, we, we get to know what kind of marketing messages do they want? What kind of uh, marketing channels do they want to hear? How should the sales, um, uh, what kind of, where they, you know, what channels do they want to use? How what do they want to buy and all that? So we can tell our clients, focus on this, um, particular customer segment, and it's going to give you at prices that are going to be, um, that, that is going to give you X higher, um, you know, revenues, you know, yeah. and sales volume. And then we do the same thing with <clears throat> product features and functions. So we can tell our clients, if you focus on these feature functions and benefit your, your, in your promotion, uh, your marketing is going to be more effective because it's going to drive a higher sales volume. Mm -hmm. um, and if it's feature functions and benefit you, you haven't developed yet, we can tell you which one is going to drive the highest revenue. You know, so it, it informs your product or service strategy. And then the same thing with, with marketing. We, we tell these are the marketing channels that will lead to the highest revenue. These are the marketing messages that would lead to the highest revenue. And, and then everything about, um, and that includes things like brand name and product names, and we can do even logos, you know, and stuff like that. Um, and then 
uh, from the sales point of view, what sales channels are most effective in driving sales, where you have the minimum friction, where you have the what would generate the the, the, the maximum um, uh, revenue. And then, of course, the pricing strategy that minimizes friction and, and, and maximize sales volume and revenue. So it becomes a whole go-to-market strategy for any company who wants to take itself to the next level. Beautiful. And it works. You know. We like um, works. <laughs> works is good. So what kind of businesses do you serve and support most? Or better question, who do you absolutely love to serve and support if your answer to the previous question is anybody? <laughs> no, the, 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 our, our typical client is mm -hmm. a small to mid-market company. Mm -hmm. Um, that, um, um, and, and what I'm saying with that is sort of our range is about 5 million to 150 million in terms okay. of revenue. Mm -hmm. um, um, they, um, they are charted either by their current owner or a new owner or an investor to take the company to the next level, right? Nice. Uh, it, it's, it's, uh, and and who would who wouldn't want to take a company to the next level, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, and 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 um, and and um, uh, it could we do slightly more services than we do products. We do slightly more B two B than we do B two C. Mm -hmm. And um, and uh, apart from the the restrictions that I, I mentioned to you early on, it could be virtually any. Um, uh, any any um, any industry, any kind of product, you know. Having so, said that, yeah. um, I mean, I I I like to think of myself as somebody with ethics. Okay. And a few years back, we were asked by uh, a company, a, a medical device company, to do some work on um, a device that would help people um, survive heart attacks, right? I can't remember what the device was now. But they wanted us to maximize revenue at a low sales volume. And I said, no, because I want this device to be in every hospital everywhere to save as many lives as possible. For right. us, it's not about maximizing revenue. It's about maximizing sales. But the company was not interested in that. So we said, forget it. When is that a supply issue or? Because I mean, no. just playing the devil's advocate, <laughs> I can see that somebody like us, um, so we do uh, digital tech marketing mm -hmm. for companies. Mm -hmm. We don't necessarily want the most amount of volume coming through because it takes a lot of energy to be able to kind of understand somebody's business oh. and to um, help them be as effective as possible in their Mm -hmm. in their endeavors. And if we have kind of too many, it sounds ironic, but we'd have to hire a whole lot of people, which means then a whole lot of training, which means then we the ups and downs of growth, uh, though that particular growth <laughs> becomes kind of a yeah. painful way no, to well, do you, it. You're absolutely right. Let me, let me I, I got a um, an unsolicited email from, from a client a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and and um, it, it was very simple. It was a screenshot from, I guess, their accounting system. And, 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 and the screenshot said that um, sales volume was down with about 12% or something like that. Yeah. 
margin was up with 42.9%. Right? Nice. And, and, the, 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 uh, and the text said, so, oh, sorry, the, the, the message that he sent was, I just love this. Less work, more money. <laughs> more money. <laughs> nice. You know, yes, we it, like those was, stories. That's exactly what you said. Mm. You know, so yeah, it's it's uh, it's 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 all about. In, at least in my mind, it's all about revenue. You Very know, cool. Business. So, yeah. what is the process that you go take somebody through? Okay, they the go, process, Hey, we want to work with you. What happens? Yeah, when somebody wants to work with us, the first thing we do is we create a research design. Now that is the uh, that's the instrument that we use in 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 the kind of market research we do, and we do sneaky things. We do really sneaky things to disqualify people, because you really want to make sure that you talk to the right people, right? Mm-hmm. And often we we end up often disqualify between two thirds and ninety percent of people who start a survey. And this is after we have targeted people, right? <laughs> yeah. And we can we can target them pretty pretty accurately, um, and and so so we really want to make sure that we talk to the right people, yeah. um, um, and and in the research design we also set a um, uh, a quota. I mean, how many how many people do we have in a survey? And and typically, the minimum we want to go for is about four hundred. Mm-hmm. Um, because that gives us uh, uh, statistical significance. Mm-hmm. More is always better, you know, and and we often end up doing between eight hundred to a thousand people, um, wow. unless it's a very niche market, and and um, and then we feed that data into uh, into our the the AI software that we have developed, mm-hmm. and from that. Uh, we get these various predictions of sales volume and revenue at different prices. And we also get the whole segmentation piece, you know, uh, by customer, um, you know, by our clients, customer profile and marketing messages and sales methodologies and messages and so on and so forth, you know. And of course, um, a a stratified pricing strategy. Um, But this is data. Mm -hmm. So then I have business people working with me that look at that data and make human sense out of it. So I jokingly, I said that we use AI squared. We have artificial intelligence and then we have actual intelligence, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, and, and, and then we present this to our clients. Um, and there's a, always a slew of, of, of very, very specific um, recommendations, you know, mm-hmm. not only use, I mean, use this pricing strategy, mm-hmm. uh, but it's also focus on this particular customer segment with that we define. Use these marketing channels with these messages. Use these sales channels with these sales methodologies, and and here is the pricing strategy that minimizes friction and maximizes sales. Nice. Now I'm assuming that it's not just based on what they say they would spend, because clearly when people are in enough pain, they spend a lot more than when they're not. Well, it is um, the the in in the survey we have a whole series of questions where we ask people to match value with price, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not you can't ask somebody who what are what are you willing to pay, 
that's mm. not a that's not that's going to give you wrong data you know <laughs> yeah uh, but when you when you ask people about matching value how do they perceive the value of a product or service that we describe in detail you know mm-hmm. and and that could be something new or could be something already existing existing you know and and we we're currently on project 738 i believe nice and all but two of our clients are willing to be references so this Very really cool. works you know and these well, are you know these these are from pre-revenue startups to fortune 500s very cool so are you mixing some of the you know the the dyson tesla it's hard to say those two words together uh magic sauce into this whole elixir of yeah you know, what, if, well, what if you make yourself unique well the um the, the there is an academic background to this called behavioral mm-hmm. economics so, so we are standing on the shoulders of um, of three Nobel Prize winners, right? Okay. And and um, they um, and and it's all about understanding the psychology of decision making, especially purchase decision making, and that's what we do. That's why um, creating those um, those research design is really an art. You really need to know what you're doing, because otherwise it's not going to work. Um, and um, and 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 the the um, um, it's the the and uh, it's you know it's it's not I mean I invented it the, this process but but again there is there's some solid foundation for for why it really works. Nice, love it. Um, so does it work better for products than services, or does it work for both? Uh, it's 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 the same. Yeah, it's the oh. same. Um, I mean, I, I, I have a masterclass on pricing on, on our website, you know, Very for cool. anybody who wants to learn everything there is to know about pricing. And, um, and in a couple of weeks, I'm publishing a book called Oddly Enough, The Price Whisper. You know. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about the book. What's in it? What do we learn? All that kind of fun Well, it's, it's, uh, the book is, is, it's Pricing 360, if you like. Uh, it's the title is is the price whisper, and the um, the the subtitle is a um, holistic approach to pricing power, and and pricing power is this thing that was really it was defined by Warren Buffett. He said at one point that um, his most important criterion for investing in a company is whether the company has pricing power, and then he continued to define it, and he said. Pricing power is the ability to increase pricing without losing sales volume. And the book is all about that. It's the process how you do it. It's the data that you need. It's full of anecdotes about (laughs) actual cases. Um, and, 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 And it covers everything a company needs to know in terms of um, taking using pricing that does have the highest lever on uh, on on um, on profitability, using pricing uh, to take a company to the next level. That's Absolutely, nice. So yeah. let me ask you this, because as you know, we're an IT company. Well, we do the tech done for you marketing. So a company that needs their marketing, we do the tech, mm-hmm. um, and we're looking at our pricing and our packaging in particular, because up until now we've said silly things that I don't, <laughs> don't do this people, you know, we can do anything. It's just a matter of how much you want to pay for it. So 
of course, a business goes, well, I don't really want to pay you anything for it, but I want <laughs> you yeah. know, champagne breakfast in the whole nine yards. <sighs> um, so it's a really silly way to go about doing the sales of it. When you're working with somebody like us, that's mm -hmm. kind of um, lost when it comes to the whole packaging and the pricing mm -hmm. and things. Mm -hmm. I assume that you would take us through a whole process of you know, what is the market want? Who's doing it? Or would you go to the market first? And no, no, no. Out? The, 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 <clears throat> we, well, we start off by, by um, <clears throat> defining all the services that you have and, or could have that you may or may not sell. Mm -hmm. And, and um, we've, we've done a couple of, we have a couple of customers in that space. Um, <clears throat> and then understanding how, you can um, understanding how each of these services affects the individual services affects what what folks are willing to pay for your your services. But then we take that to and then, uh, again another step because we we then can look at how these bundles together. And often what we find is that we're looking for at the marketplace we and. So you have, I don't know, a dozen different services, say, or two different services, two, two dozen services, whatever it happened to be. Mm -hmm. And then we can see that they typically fall into categories naturally by the, by the, <clears throat> by the marketplace. So somebody who says, I want service A, also wants service D and service F, right? Mm -hmm. So you create a bundle for that. And then we can define exactly the price for that bundle. Very cool. So I'm assuming in the book, you go through kind of part of yep. that process. And then if people are still dazed and confused, they can get a hold of you. <laughs> they, can, they can get a hold of me. Yeah, obviously they can, you know. And, and, cool. and the, um, um, it's, you know, if you follow the, 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 the process in, in the book, um, whether you use my my services or somebody else's, uh, or you develop this yourself, um, you um, it 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 works every time. Very cool. Works every time. Nice. So, I love that. And so again, the book is the Price Whisperer. It's called the Price Whisperer. Yeah, um, it's going to be uh, published in early June. So June of twenty twenty two. Yeah, twenty twenty two. <clears throat> and um, I've been told that it's a it's a tremendous read by by the people who read it. So, um, <laughs> well, I'm, you haven't I'm, read it seventeen times yourself already. <laughs> oh, I've read it so <clears throat> so many times, but um, but it's it it certainly has been um, um, you know I've I've had some very prominent people um, quoting um, some very nice things when after reading the book. So. Um, Nice. So, Any you want uh, to share with us? Well, a um, couple of CMOs of um, of um, Fortune 50 companies. Very so, nice. So peeps, yeah. you're going to have to get your hands on the book to find out who. Yeah, you're going to find out. <laughs> That's right. All Excellent. right, Michelle. Thank you so much. So what are some of the stumbling blocks that somebody would have right now that they're thinking, oh my God, Para, I need you so badly? Um. I think the, the, the biggest stumbling block, block that companies have is that they're not used to services like mine. Mm -hmm. You know, the companies are used to buying all different kinds of services from various service providers. You know, we, you mentioned 
um, accounting, you know, <laughs> people know exactly what an accounting service is, but they don't really know what the stuff we do, you know. And and I think um, and one of the things that that um, comes through in this in this behavioral economics that I mentioned is that the, a, a purchaser sees the risk of making a purchase as 2.25 percent higher risk than the benefit of that purchase, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so it's it's um, it the stumbling block for, for for is that they don't buy the kind of stuff we do every day, so it's an unknown, right? Right. Well, very it be, cool. but it is, you know. <laughs> right. So I know that our listeners are going to want more from you. How do they start their journey with you? Well, um, they can always email me on uh, thepricewhisper.me. That's a good one, um, and um, and and um, uh, pricewhisper.me also redirects to to our website, or you can go directly to our website, which is my last name showforce.com. But I know that's hard to spell. For and me. it's S J O F O R S. Those of you want to know, and you yeah. can hit rewind and do it again if you want to get it. S J O F O R S dot com. Yeah, awesome. So, but the price whisper is easier. Yes, so. <laughs> I would assume so. That yeah. was awesome. So I have to ask you, at what point in life did you know that you were a special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? Oh, that's an interesting question. Well, um, what really happened was that um, I have a, um, an uh, engineering and, a, and an MBA in the back. And um, I was working as an engineer. And um, I was working for a company, a small company. Uh, in my native Sweden, and and my boss, the owner of the company, wanted me to go into sales. And um, and and he um, he was trying for at least a year, maybe a year and a half, to to get me into sales. And I said, no, 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 I shouldn't be in sales. Uh, but eventually, he convinced me that um, that we should set up a new company. Um, I wanted to move out of Sweden for various reasons. So, so we set up a, a new company in Switzerland and, um, and he put me as CEO of that company. He funded it and, and, and we developed, um, uh, we developed a, you know, a, a, a business over, over Europe. We, you know, I had customers in every, every, every um, European country, you know, um, small. I mean, I, I think it took us, Three years or something like that, three and a half years to get up to six million in revenue. Wow! Um, Congratulations. But yeah, but it but it um, it taught me one thing, and that is that I never ever want to have a boss again. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> Even on CEO, you still had a boss. <laughs> yeah. Well, you still have. Um, you, you, you even as a CEO, you're not completely out of bosses, but <laughs> yeah. Um, and and um, and and that sort of uh, that started my journey, but <clears throat> but um, then when I eventually I said it fourteen years ago when I got into pricing, um, I said I was too old and too opinionated to have any boss of any kind, you know, <laughs> and and that has actually proven to be correct because um, I've 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 uh, historically I've had some partners in the business. Mm-hmm. And it just doesn't work unless I'm leading the whole thing according to my own 
mind, you know, I, I get very uncomfortable. So. <laughs> awesome. Well, from, from one, you know, stubborn entrepreneur to another, I totally appreciate where you come from. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. And yeah. may I ask you, what was one of the funniest mistakes or faux pas that happened in your entrepreneurial journey? Oh, no, that's an interesting. Well, um, I came here to the States to uh, to join or uh, to join a company that we were in the disk drive, hard disk drive business, and um, I was I set up a, a new division. I was successful with that, uh, built it up to about seventy two million in two years, and uh, but then the company around me died. All right, so my division was fine. Um, the, but the company around me died, and and uh, I'm not going to go into exactly what happened. But I think I was in Japan at the time, and I, I got a call in the middle of the night, Japanese time, and somebody from 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 headquarters had called me and 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 said, "Everybody's gone. The board cleaned house, and it's only you and the CFO left on the management team." <laughs> <laughs> You know, oh so my god, yeah. So that's one thing, and because the company was dying around me, I was working on selling um, my division to to another company, yeah. right? a, a, a large, um, uh, I mean, a Fortune fifty company, <clears throat> and and we had everything done. You know, the only thing that that um, was missing was the signature of the CEO. All the contracts was negotiated and then of course the ceo of that fortune 50 get booted out oh oh that would hurt oh that, would, that hurt you know and and um um so and the new ceo said stop all acquisitions for for three months until i reviewed them you know so anyway. uh, did you eventually <laughs> sell it no no, oh, man, with, with, with the rest of the sad. company dying, <laughs> with the rest of the company dying, it, it wasn't feasible to, to continue oh. operation. Oh, that hurts. So that's painful. So that's, uh, that's a couple of, a uh, couple of interesting experiences from, from well, I'm delighted that you made, made it through there. However, yeah. it happened. <laughs> I'm sure you had quite the, adventure. well, you learn, you know, you learn. That's the, that's the, oh, I had another one that's kind of funny. I, I yeah. was, um, I was acting. I, I was a consultant, but I was acting CMO for for a, um, um, a a company also in the hard disk space. And um, as a CMO, I didn't get the budget that I wanted at all. You know, I got like from the from the uh, from the uh, uh, CEO, I got like a quarter of the budget that I wanted. So that didn't work. You know, mm -hmm. and and. Um, and 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 we had this conversation where in the same conversation he fired me and I resigned. <laughs> <laughs> so like uh, rock paper scissor, whoever gets there first yeah, wins. <laughs> whatever you know. And, and and first time in my life I ever got fired, you know, and and um, or or resigned, whatever whatever side you want to look at it, you know. <laughs> right. But that was an interesting experience too, you know. He said, this doesn't work. No, I said, this doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
Well, don't feel bad. My sister fired me. So, you know, all right. Well, I, I can empathize with your pain. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> That's awesome. Barrett, yeah. you have been yeah. absolutely phenomenal. Thank you, Thank so, you much so much for your time. I know how yeah. valuable it is. Any last words for our peeps? Um, let me um, quote, um, uh, what's his name? Andreasen, uh, the guy who started Netscape way back when, and now one of the most um, prominent VCs up in the, up in the valley. Um, he, he was asked um, a couple of years ago uh, about somebody saw, asked him, what is the best and most important advice you can give Mark Andreasen, that's his name, um, to a startup company. And his advice was very, very on point. He said, increase your prices. Right. I <laughs> love know? that. He may as well have just said, go talk to Pear. Yeah, he could have said that too, but he, <laughs> I don't think he knows me. Oh, well, so, you know, he will. <laughs> he, yeah, he may. But, um, but, but that's, that was his, his advice. And that is my advice too, you know. Increase your prices. Look at profitability, not sales volume. Sage yeah. advice. And especially when your market's more than willing to pay. Yeah. Like why wouldn't you take advantage of that? And it often is. Almost often, um, I think in 80% of our cases, we find that people are underpriced. Um, awesome. Well, sage yeah. advice. Thank you so much. Thank Peeps. you so much, Michelle. Thank you. Peeps, this is Michelle Nedelec. Thank you for being here with us today. Please be sure to subscribe to the show. And if you're looking to scale and automate your business, reach out to me at michelle at awarenessstrategies.com or connect with me on Facebook or LinkedIn. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to our show. I'm all about being a resource center for entrepreneurs to give them the information and the support that they need to make it in business. As such, the notes for this show can be found at our website at awarenessstrategies.com slash blog. Be sure to subscribe, give us a rating, I like five stars personally, and share with your friends.